Are you looking for ways to strengthen your marriage? Would you like to raise children you enjoy being around? Do you long for a peaceful, orderly home that's a blessing to everyone who comes through its doors? Then you've come to the right place. I'm Jennifer Flanders, a Bible-believing, homeschooling mother to 12 and host of the Loving Life at Home podcast. Join me as we discover what God's Word has to say about marriage, motherhood, and minding the things that matter most. Hello, friend. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Loving Life at Home. Today, we're talking about teenagers. I've gotten a lot of questions from listeners since starting this podcast, which is great. I love getting feedback on what matters are most relevant to you because that helps me serve you better. Most of the questions that have come in lately relate to the topic of parenting. Some are about babies, Some are about nurturing your marriage when you're busy with babies, and a bunch of them have been about raising teens. As it happens, my husband and I have had at least one teen in our house for well over 20 years now. We've made a lot of mistakes during that time, but by God's unfathomable mercy and grace, we've gotten lots of things right as well. And some of the things that totally freaked me out the first time I had to deal with them as a parent, like all those intense emotions that puberty ushered in, barely even face me anymore. Nevertheless, I do intend to answer all those specific questions in detail, but our family's getting ready to go on a week-long camp out, and I've got to start packing. So this week, I'll just lay the groundwork by sharing the following 10 things that your teenager hates. There's no doubt about it, navigating life with a teenager at home can be a little tricky. All those hormones raging through the bloodstream will sometimes have you walking on eggshells. Of course, teens might say the same thing about living with a menopausal mother, but that's another podcast for another day. No parent is perfect. We all make mistakes, and it's sometimes necessary for us to make decisions that won't necessarily be popular with our kids, but if we can somehow manage to avoid the biggies, if we can refrain from doing those things that our teens hate the most, then our homes might be much happier both during the teen years and beyond. So here they are, 10 things your teen hates. First is disapproval. Your teenager hates to disappoint you. Whether he acts like it or not, he is hungry for your affirmation and approval. He needs to know that your love for him is unconditional. Yes, he'll make mistakes, and yes, those mistakes may need to be addressed, but they'll need to be addressed in a way that communicates your love for him and your confidence in his ability to do better. I know that Proverbs 27.5 says, Better is open rebuke than love that is concealed. But the point of that verse is to encourage us to be more openly expressive of our love, not to increase the frequency of our rebukes. The second thing is lectures. Your teenager hates being lectured. Sure, she still needs your counsel and correction from time to time, but it will fall on deaf ears if you deliver it in a spirit of anger and condescension. Don't talk down to your teen or use sweeping generalizations. Make your point clearly, but don't belabor it. Always and only speak the truth in love. Proverbs 15.1 tells us a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. So let's try not to speak harshly to our teens when we don't need to. The third thing is hypocrisy. 
Do you use one voice for company and phone calls, but another for your family? Is the person that you seem to be at work and church and out in the community the same person that your spouse and children see every day at home? Teens are especially sensitive to discrepancies in this area. They're watching you. They're examining you. They're constantly observing whether your talk matches your walk. Be genuine and sincere. Live a life of integrity. Apologize and seek forgiveness from your family when you fail. Otherwise, you risk having your teen reject not only you, but everything you allegedly stand for. Jesus had very strong words for the duplicitous Pharisees, calling them whitewashed tombs. He continues in Matthew 3.28, Even so, you too outwardly appear righteous to men, but inwardly you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. So let's not be full of hypocrisy. Let's be genuine and sincere and the same people at home that we are out in the world. Then the fourth thing is micromanagement. Don't be the hovering helicopter parent who tries to dictate your teen's every move. The older she gets, the more important it is for her to take responsibility for making her own choices and decisions. And that's a healthy part of growing up. Sometimes she may do things in a different way than you would do them, but in most cases, that's all right. God never intended for your teen to be an exact replica of you. She is wonderfully unique. Fearfully and wonderfully made, Psalms 139 says, give her some freedom to be herself. When you try to control every detail of her life, it sends your teen the message that you think she's either incompetent or untrustworthy. This is especially true in the realm of style decisions, you know, matters of taste and clothing and hairstyles for boys and girls. Just be aware that they're not going to necessarily do things exactly like you did them, and that's fine. Styles change, and sometimes we need to change with them. Uh, Third John 1 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. And I know this is talking, John's talking about his spiritual children here, but the fact that he's saying that he hears that they're walking in the truth means that he's not right there hovering over their shoulder and breathing down their necks or trying to micromanage every move. Then the fifth thing is passivity. As much as your teen dislikes it when you're controlling, the opposite extreme is just as bad. There has to be a balance. Your teen still needs you to remain involved and to be available and to hold him accountable. When he pushes the limits, he's just testing to make sure that they're still in place. The same way you might push against the doors of your house each night to make sure they're properly latched. You should expand his boundaries a bit as he grows, but you shouldn't remove them altogether. Whether conscious or not, your teen takes comfort in knowing that you care enough to keep tabs on him. Proverbs 3.12 says, For whom the Lord loves, he corrects, even as a father the son in whom he delights. And just as the Lord corrects us, we need to correct our teens when there's a matter that needs correcting. So don't be too micromanaging, but don't be too hands-off either. There has to be that balance. Number six is manipulation. Your teen hates guilt trips. 
If you want or need her to do something for her, please just come out and say so. Don't expect her to read your mind or try to guilt trip her into doing what you want. Just be straightforward in your request and sincerely grateful for her cooperation. 2 Corinthians 4.2 tells us, We've renounced secret and shameful ways. We do not use deception, nor do we distort the Word of God. On the contrary, by setting forth the truth plainly, we commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Now, I know Paul was writing this in reference to how he shares the gospel, but it's a good rule of thumb in all our communication to speak the truth plainly rather than resorting to deception or trickery. So do that with your teens as well. Then number seven is comparisons. Your teen may tolerate positive comparisons to people that he admires, but he hates to be compared negatively to anyone. Let him stand or fall on his own merit. There's no reason to drag anybody else into it. If a comparison must be made, let it be in comparing your teen to his younger self and noting the growth and maturity and progress that he's made. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 tells us we do not dare classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves. When they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves, they are not wise. And it's not wise of us as parents to do the same either. Then number eight is discord. Your teen hates discord. This may seem counterintuitive given how prone she may be to argue at times, but your teenager hates strife and she especially hates to hear her parents fighting. There is enough turmoil in this world, don't add to it by being at odds with your spouse. Let your home be a haven of rest, a peaceful oasis where your children can relax and recharge and take refuge from the worldly cares and full confidence of your commitment not only to them, but to one another as well. Then number nine is inflexibility. Don't get locked into doing things a certain way just because that's how you've always done them. Be willing to think outside the box and weigh all the options, especially when making decisions that affect your teen. Attempt to see things from his perspective. Sympathize. Remember what it was like to be a teen yourself. And if your erstwhile dreams and ideals and love for adventure have been snuffed out in the passing years, do your best to rekindle them for your own sake as much as for his. Avoid letting no become your knee-jerk reaction. Proverbs 18.13 says, He who answers a matter before he hears it, this is folly and disgrace to him. So hear your child out. Don't just say no automatically. Listen and say yes as often as you can and be a little bit more flexible. Then number 10 is uncertainty. Remember the verse about not getting anxious about tomorrow because each day has enough troubles of its own? This is especially true for our teenagers. Our kids face so many uncertainties during these years. Will I pass my test? Will I make the team? Will I get into college? Will I ever find love? They don't need parents heaping their own worries on top of what's already there. Luke 12, 25 says, Who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? So if you cannot do such a small thing, why do you worry about the rest? We need to cast our own cares at the foot of the cross and tell our kids to do the same. Let them follow your good example in remaining calm and kicking anxiety to the curb. None of us know what our life will look like tomorrow, but we can be certain that God has a plan and His plan is good. So don't overreact. Pray for your teen. Point him to the solid rock. Anchor him there when the storms roll in and assure him that the sun will eventually come out again. 
And if we're able to avoid all 10 of these things, our lives are going to be so much better with teens in the house or no, but our teens' lives will be markedly improved as well. Thanks so much for listening today. If you have a question you'd like to hear covered on this podcast, message me on Instagram at Flanders underscore family or contact me through my website, lovinglifeathome.com. Before you go, if you've been encouraged by something you've heard on the show, do me a favor and forward the link to a friend or head over to Loving Life at Home on Apple iTunes to subscribe and leave a written review of the show. Your doing so will help others find me so they can listen too. Until next time, I pray the Lord will bless your efforts to build a loving home life centered on Him.